Our sermon text for today comes from the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, starting in verse 11 through verse 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcised, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law and its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. One of the things that I've come across over the years is the idea that the people of Israel, the Jewish people, are no longer God's people and that they have been replaced by those of us who call ourselves Christians, that we are now the family of God. And so I want to take some, day, some time today to show you that that is not what happened. That we did not take the place of God's people. Those who are God's chosen people from basically the beginning of time. That God has chosen them to be his people. And one of the reasons I want to stress this is because in today's society, we seem to have this idea that we get to decide things. That we get to decide what God thinks, what God feels, how God works, what God does. And the reality is God's already told us in this book what he does, how he does it. He doesn't always tell us why he does it. But that's not important for us to know why God does what he does. What's important for us to know is that God is in charge. And so 
when we read a passage like this, where Paul is talking to the people at Ephesus and he tells them that God has taken the two peoples, the Jewish people and now the Christian people who Paul is talking to, and he's brought, brought them together into one group, one family. We become heirs along with them. Paul says, at one time you were separated from them. You had no way of becoming part of the Jewish people who are God's chosen people. And I'll get back to that in just a minute. But the only way that we can become part of God's chosen people is to be adopted into the family. And that we as Christians have been able to accomplish through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Paul says, through his blood, which he shed for us to take away our sins, we then become a part of the family of God. We do not take over the family of God. We do not displace the family of God. And the reason for that, and for me, it makes all the sense in the world, if we're going to say that God chose the Jewish people and then he unchose them, then why should we follow God? If God made a promise to them, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's God's promise. That's God's covenant. And a covenant is a legal binding promise between two groups or two people. In a covenant, there's one who is always much more powerful than the other. So it's God's grace that makes this covenant because God is so much more powerful than us. But yet he said, you will be my people and I will be your God. And now we want to say, well, God changed his mind. No. And that's part of the problem with what's going on in the church today. Because if we say God changed his mind here, then why couldn't God change his mind somewhere else? Why couldn't God decide not to do this or to do that or not to do that? And then who gets to decide what God thinks? Who gets to decide what is the commandment of God and what we get to choose? In the church today, in faith today, we think we're the ones in charge. And we say, well, the Bible only says that in two or three places. How many times does God have to say it? How many times does God have to give us a command for it to be a command? Let me put it in a little bit easier way for you to understand. When you tell your children no, how many times do you have to tell them no before it means no? In our mind, once. Because then no means no. In their mind, well, maybe a few more. And that's the way we're acting. We're acting like immature children and saying, well, I don't really like what God said. My answer to that is, so what? 
What difference does it make whether you like it or not? We're talking about God. And one of the problems that we have in the church today is we've made God so much a buddy and friend of ours that he stopped being the all-powerful God. And we think we don't have to listen to him anymore. And that's why the church is struggling. That's why people are leaving the church because the church no longer stands for things. We need to make sure that we stand for what God says. We have God's book, the book that gives us how we are to live our lives. You may not like what it says. You may not be comfortable with what it says. But so what? It's God's word. We strive to be God's people by living out God's commands. And if God says the Jewish people and the Christian people will come together and they will form one new group. They will be formed into one, as Paul says. I hear people say often, well, there won't be any Jews in heaven. Oh, so you get to decide. Can I go? Think about it. That's a ridiculous statement. Our God is an awesome God. And he allows us the opportunity to go to heaven. All we have to do is admit we're not in charge. For some of us, that's harder than others. But to admit we're not in charge and that we're sinners and we've fallen short of being God, way short. And that we are called to follow God and follow his teachings. <coughs> the next year coming up in the United Methodist Church is going to be an extremely difficult one. Starting this fall, I'm going to, we're going to be having special evening times of sharing where I'll share with you what's going on in the Methodist Church and what is happening as things get closer and closer to our next general conference. And people question, well, what's the difference? Is it all about one thing or another? Is it all about human sexuality? No, it's about who God is. That's the struggle that we're facing in the Methodist church today. Are we going to follow God? Or are we going to follow what we're comfortable with or what we like or what we want? Christianity is not about us doing what we want to do or being comfortable. Sometimes I think if you're comfortable with your faith, you need to sit down and take a look at your faith because it should be something we struggle with. When I went to seminary, I used to like to take liberal professors or more liberal. I didn't go for the real liberal ones because that would have blown my head up, I think. But to pick a professor who is more liberal than I am, because I came to the understanding was 
if I don't agree with that professor, I need to know why. Why is it that I don't agree? What in the Bible tells me that that professor is wrong? And it made me work harder. It made me figure out what I believe. And I think that's one of the things that we're missing in the church today. We're not asking the hard questions. We're not pushing ourselves to find out what God says. We're taking the easy route and saying, well, this is what I think, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Well, Sharon will tell you, I'm not always real good at not hurting people's feelings. And especially as your spiritual leader, that's not my job. My job is not to make you feel comfortable. My job is not to make you leave here and think, oh, that was wonderful, and never think about it again. My job is to prepare you to go into the world and to grow in your faith, to make you ask the hard questions, to make you look at your own faith and grow. Grow into the people that God has called us to be. That's what we're to do. God says that the Jewish people will be there in the end. Now, don't ask me how God is going to do that, whether God is going to cause them at the end to become followers of Jesus Christ when Jesus comes back again. No, that's kind of where I lean. Since that's what the Bible says, that that's a requirement. But God's already chosen them, so maybe they're grandfathered in. I don't know. I don't really care. It's not that important. If we're all worried about what somebody else is doing or where somebody else is going and not worried about what we're doing and where we're going, then our focus just may be in the wrong place. Not that we shouldn't care about other people. Not that we shouldn't care whether others are going to heaven. But we need to work on our faith first. Ask yourself the hard questions. Force yourself to grow. To become stronger in your faith. And above all things, remember that God is still God and God is still in charge and we are his people. Amen.